Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Eh, not that any of you guys care, nor should you, uh, but I had to reorganize my recording studio today, and that's why things are getting going just a little bit on the late side. So with that in mind, let's not dawdle. Let's not screw about. I guess I should also make sure things actually sound right. And they do. Oh, boy. What joy. Everything seems to be fine. This is Reverse Chronological Lightning Round Monday on Fantasy NBA Today. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the show. We can jump right on in, and this is actually going to be kind of a shorter one because if you recall, our Friday episode of the podcast was recorded in the early fourth quarter of that crazy Lakers-Kings game. If any of you was wondering why the uh, triple overtime triple wasn't mentioned, that was why. But that, of course, means that we only have to cover two days' worth of games. In fact, we don't even have to cover all 30 teams on this particular episode. So let's dive right on into Sunday's games. Reverse chronological lighting round, of course, for those that are perhaps uninitiated, is uh, well, we'll just go backwards. Sunday and then Saturday, and that way we'll hit whatever teams played on those two days we will tackle their most recent basketball game and kind of get everybody reset for the week ahead. Uh, Warriors-Clippers, that was the first one on Sunday. The uh, Warriors and Clippers were actually relatively close in this ballgame until uh, Steph got teed up. He was mad. He got bumped by Terrence Mann on the way to the hoop, and he was hopping mad. Yelled at the official, got himself a technical foul, and then just went bananas after that. Uh, Otto Porter at 18 and 10, but he has not been nearly consistent enough to get onto your rosters. So you basically just leave all these things alone and watch the Warriors keep ripping teams apart with their defense. Clippers shot 40%. Reggie Jackson was epically bad in this basketball game. And it does, you know, it dropped him from like 108 down to 134. And therein, of course, remains. The rub with Reggie is that he's taking 17 shots a game, but he's only making 39 and change percent of them. Three threes is nice. Four assists is fine. It's not great, but it's fine. He's a good free throw shooter, but doesn't get there very often. Doesn't get that many steals. He had a game where he had three of them, and that brought him a little bit tighter to the league average. But basically, because of a lack of defensive stats and because the field goal percent has been so bad, he's needed to be better on offense than where he's been to get where we need him to go. And to this point, look, I'll admit it. I keep coming on this podcast and saying he's like one or two good shooting games away from being inside the top 100. They're just not coming. So if you're in a Roto Games Cap format, you probably can bench him until we see some measure of shooting consistency or just offensive consistency of any kind. Get a few more assists, whatever it takes. Maybe it doesn't happen. It's possible. Head-to-head, he's in that streamer territory. He, you know, he'll have a few good ones and then a few bad ones, and you kind of just ride the wave there. And you know, if, if the bad shooting week, yeah, he could sink you. The good shooting week, maybe he keeps you from sinking. Certainly fits more of a punt field goal build so far this year. But dang, that was a bad ball game on Sunday. Eric Bledsoe double-doubled, but we can ignore that. Uh, Ivica Zubats played 21 minutes in the loss, and you knew it was going to be a bad matchup against the Warriors. I still don't think you're dropping him, but he's close with Marcus Morris logging 34 minutes. Still no Nick Batum. 
Isaiah Hartenstein got 11 and a half minutes. Serge Ibaka got nine. So suddenly a lot of options in the front court for the Clippers and things, the vice grows ever tighter on Zubats and his 27, 28 per minute or uh, minutes per game thing that was going on for a little bit there. Also, you're not picking up Marcus Morris. I know he had 13, six and five and was by all accounts the most productive Clipper here. It's uh, it's just not worth it. He he, like Reggie Jackson, has holes in his fantasy game. Doesn't do much on defense. Field goal percent isn't that good for a, f- a front court guy, and the five assists might be the biggest number you see all the all year. Milwaukee beat Indiana one eighteen one hundred. This was also in the blowout territory. You could see because most of the Bucks played about twenty nine minutes in the ball game. Middleton is slowly coming around. He's getting there. He's not there yet. Drew Holiday seems to have come around now. So he's kind of like through his own personal training camp. Uh, And so this is a good sign. He's all systems go. Middleton is kind of a buy low. We knew those guys were going to get off to really slow starts. And there was always the fear of lingering injury stuff as well. Uh, Middleton is a very durable dude. I think you're just kind of seeing the slow plod into the season. He had COVID. Um, Pat Conton suddenly now has emerged as the more productive non-star option on this team. But at the same time, I think you can kind of just punt on all of them. Conton's been good enough lately, but it could disappear in a moment. Grayson Allen doesn't get to shoot anymore now that the team is largely healthy. Bobby Portis, oddly enough, was kind of the guy who took the last few shots. You knew Middleton, you knew Giannis, you know Drew. Those guys are going to get their looks. And then Portis is the guy where you're like, oh, well, okay. He's soaking up that extra usage. So Grayson Allen's is getting these, Allen is getting these these single digit shot attempt games, and that's just not enough for him. So I think you can move on from pretty much all of those guys. The streaming fun for Milwaukee hath come to an end. On the Indiana side, I'm going to go ahead and just downgrade T.J. McConnell to streamer territory. It's not going to happen. I'm willing to admit it now. Uh, if Brogdon is out, he's a go. If Lavert is out, he's a go. But those guys are both in right now. Lavert has been really trying hard to, to regain his form. Brogdon's been good all year. When they're hurt, which is frequently, McConnell has these very easy leaps into value. But in these other games, I don't, I don't think he's startable. No, you're ignoring the Chris Duarte 30-minute thing. That's not, to me, that's not interesting. And then Justin Holiday. Got two blocks, still can't get any steals. I don't know what's happened to poor Justin Holiday. Not that he was on your teams anyway, but it's pretty weird that he just doesn't get steals anymore. That's just gone. But he's not alone. TJ McConnell doesn't get him either. I don't know if it's the Rick Carlisle way of playing, if they've changed how they attack defensively. I, you know, I, a fantasy analyst, I see the game relatively well, but I don't know those little tweaks on the defensive side that change those types of things. I'm better at reacting to that and kind of saying, oh, okay, well, this is a team that plays X type of defense, and so Y is going to happen. What we're seeing now with the Pacers is that the Y, the steals in this mathematical analogy, it's just not happening anymore. Chris Duarte had three steals, kind of feels a little bit lucky almost. They had six as a team, and the guys that are used to getting them aren't getting them. Memphis beat the snot out of the Sacramento Kings. No John Morant on the Memphis side. Uh, no Harrison Barnes, no um, Rashawn Holmes on the Sacramento side. And they just, you know, after the wild game with the Lakers, they didn't have much in the tank for this one. I think you can pretty much throw this game out. You know, Darren Fox was bad. Tyrese Halliburton was bad. 
Marvin Bagley was bad, not that anybody cared. Buddy Heald was fairly bad. Davian Mitchell was kind of the only guy who survived it, but yeah, I don't think you'd read too much into that one. On For Memphis, we were actually kind of hoping for a closer ball game to get a better look at what they're going to be now with John Morant expected to miss multiple weeks. That was kind of our expectation. Uh, out indefinitely for now, is expected back at some point this season, which is such a wide berth to give, but they don't want to put any pressure on him. But it does seem like it's going to be, you know, more than a week, less than like half a year. So, um, you know, a few weeks, month, something like that with Ja. We'll wait around and find out. Uh, D'Anthony Melton did a ton with his 18 minutes, 14, 5, and 4. He's a go. I think if this game was closer, he probably would have played another six minutes or so. Uh, JJJ, same story. Would have played more. Brooks, Bain. Desmond Bain is going to win out. He played the most minutes on the team, and he'll probably keep doing that. And then Tyus Jones. He got the start, as we expected. It was not a terrific ball game because the steals weren't there. He doesn't shoot the three ball either, which is also going to cap his value. But he did have eight assists in 24 minutes. And if he can continue to post eights in that one category, that pickup ends up being worth it. That's why I said I added Jones and Melton and uh, both in a bunch of spots. There's some other interesting stuff on the board, but that was certainly one of them. Boston beat Toronto. How? I don't know. Uh, Jason Tatum continues to post one of the uglier shooting seasons in recent memory. He had 8.7 boards. He did have 10 assists, you know, so not all was lost, but it is really ridiculous now. He's shooting 39 and a half percent from the field. I, I, I'm going to keep saying it's one of the more uh, obvious by lows that I can ever remember. At the same time, I hope he just hasn't, he's like not too deep in his own head to get out of this thing. But remember, we're only a quarter of the way into the season right now. It feels like we have a good sample size, and we do for a lot of these guys, but we certainly have a bigger one outside of these 20 games for Tatum. And you got to figure some of that's going to come around. He's number 46 right now, and he really could not be any worse. Which I guess is a good thing for Boston. They're 11-10, and 10, and their best player could not be any worse to this point. Uh, Ennis Cantor Freedom, who changed his last name, nearly double-doubled, but a lot of that had to do with Robert Williams, the Time Lord, remaining out. Dennis Schroeder out, so Josh Richardson got a little extra run. I don't trust him based largely on the fact that he put up 18 points and pretty much a one in every other category, with the exception of two assists. So no to Jay Rich. Marcus Smart, he's really been very, very good. Since kind of a a bad first, like, 10 days or so. Um, But since then, he's been excellent. He's number 67 on the season at this point. And I think we could almost sort by perhaps the last month, because we're now over a month into the season, Smart, uh, no, I guess he's right around 60 over the last month or so. He's really kind of settled into a spot. He's number 50 over the last two weeks. I just, I, I, I don't think the buy low is there anymore. I think we, we called it about two weeks ago. And now, you know, you're just going to get a guy who's more like a top 65 guy than a, than a guy who was hovering in that 110 range early on. Freddie Van Vliet, he's been rocking, reeling and rolling, rolling and rocking. Uh, Freddie now up to number 14 per game in nine category leagues, and we're starting to see what that extra usage is good for. Scotty Barnes played 37 minutes, big ball game. Uh, Siakam, 38 minutes, big ball game. Precious Jujua, 36 minutes, 
but that weird shooting bug came to bite him. If he doesn't go three for 11, if he could, you know, like a normal center goes five or six or even seven for 11 in this game, and you're talking about 15 and nine, I think a lot of people would be pretty excited about that. So here's the thing. Gary Trent Jr. is down right now dealing with a calf thing. He is questionable, which means he could be back soon. When I wrote up my tweet storm last night, Sunday evening, I talked about Svi Mikhailiuk being an interesting stream for the week. I think Gary Trent's going to miss more than one game. I get the feeling that his questionable tag is closer to out, but at the same time, he was upgraded from doubtful to questionable, and sometimes playing comes with an upgrade like that. So my, you know, the other note that I thought we might kind of dive into on this Sunday card might not be there anymore, thanks to waiting a little bit later in the day to do this podcast. Svi, if Trent is out, is a great stream, because OG Ananobi's still out. We know that for sure. So he wouldn't jump in and take his spot. I mean, he would if he was healthy, but he's not gonna because he ain't playing. And then uh, OG's the guy... If either one of those two guys comes back, I, I believe it's Svi that moves to the bench. And if they both come back, it's probably Achua that moves to the bench. So in the short term, and I, I know he continues to post these these kind of funky lines. He doesn't get a ton of defensive stats or not as many as you'd want. But I do think Achua does make sense as a very short-term rebounding hustle guy kind of streamer. You just kind of have to hope you, you catch him on a game where he goes, you know, five for eight. Or something like that. Because these bad shooting games, they are happening, unfortunately, too often for a guy that should be right in front of the rim. Like Anthony Davis, who should be right in front of the rim. Has not been able to hit a jumper all season long. Did go 10 for 15, and the Lakers went over the Pistons. And this game highlighted kind of what we thought we were going to get out of the Lakers at the start of the season, which was big game from AD, big game from Braun, big game from Russ, who missed a bunch of free throws, but otherwise actually had a pretty good solid offensive ball game and then a smattering like a near fantasy line for a bunch of different guys but rarely anyone you can trust on a game-to-game basis THT was kind of your closest play here they ran DeAndre Jordan against Isaiah Stewart for stretches to try to keep him off the glass that's why DJ got to play a little bit more he was more important against that type of energy big body opponent by the way nobody Got the crap beat out of him in this ballgame, so that's kind of nice, I guess. Malik Monk faded. Carmelo Anthony's been fading. We've been hanging on by a thread there. I think we can probably move on. His number of shots per game has been steadily dropping as the Lakers have gotten healthier. And now that he's not lava hot every ballgame, which Melo was for a while there, we, we I mean, we knew the shine was going to come off. This was always a play him until... He's not useful anymore kind of thing. And, I, and we're probably at that point now. I know what you're thinking. Should I do something with THT? The answer is probably not. Uh, this was more rebounds than usual, more assists than usual. The block shot was unusual. He doesn't hit three-pointers, so even the one was kind of a bonus. And he's not great in either percentage. You can take that shot if you want, but I wouldn't recommend it. And then meanwhile, the aforementioned Isaiah Stewart played 27 minutes. He ought to be able to do more. In 27 minutes, there's something like the switch is off there, and I don't know what caused it because he looked so much better than this, so different than this towards the end of last year. Uh, and it's not like there's a massive challenge to his minutes with Kelly Olynyk out. It's Trey Lyles right now. You, you should be running circles around Trey, but he, you know, Lyles, to his credit, actually played a better ball game than Stewart here against the Lakers. I, I have to believe Stewart still figures it out. 
And at some point, the Pistons are just going to kind of have to give the keys to the young guys. Not that they haven't almost done that already. But for now, Jeremy Grant still very useful. Sadiq Bey still kind of trying to figure out who the hell he is. Better game from Frank Jackson after a couple slow ones, but I don't care. Killian Hayes came back, so at least we can forget about the Corey Joseph stuff. Um, Hayes is not that far away from being fantasy useful. Assists, he gets some steals generally, but there's just not anything else right now. He needs to add one more thing. It's not going to be the three-pointer. Maybe it'll be rebounding. I don't know. Percentages are not going to be a thing because they don't really shoot. Anyway. Turn the clock back to Saturday. What the hell else we got going on here on reverse chronological lightning round day? Hey, uh, before we turn the clock back to Saturday, how many of you guys enjoyed the MyBookie Thanksgiving weekend slugfest? I mean, that was amazing, wasn't it? I hope a lot of you guys came along for that. Um, the end result on all that MyBookie stuff was that um, the Raiders covered on the Turkey Day risk-free play. So anybody that had the Raiders won... $250. That was actually even money. There was no juice on that one. Um, and if you didn't, you got your $250 bet back to to bet on the locks and the odds boost stuff over the weekend. As it turned out, buddy of mine, Mike Larson, who does some of our NFL plays over at Hoopball, or uh, excuse me, Sports Ethos Gaming. Did I say Hoopball at the beginning of this show? I knew I was going to do it. Sports Ethos Wagering. That's the name of that. At Ethos Wagering on Twitter. Uh, Mike told me, Raiders. Gotta go Raiders. And I did. So I won $250 on that, risk-free. Friday, there were six locks. They all hit. So that was 60 bucks because that was a $10 max bet. So at that point, I'm up $310. Saturday, there were two odds boosts for 25 bucks that hit, uh, minus the juice on those. So that was actually uh, more like about $45 of winnings. So now we're talking about up 355 bucks. Uh, and then on Sunday, depending on what you played, I, I foolishly played the soccer match, even though I know nothing about it. Most of you guys probably skipped that one. Uh, the football plays went one and one, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. But the one that hit um, was the uh, two to one, the one that paid two to one, where Stafford and Aaron Rodgers had to go over 250 yards each. Anyway, when all was said and done, you know, we won something like 350 or $370 over the weekend. That's amazing. That type of thing only happens over Thanksgiving. There are odds boosts that they put out pretty much every day. There's actually an odds boost or, or kind of a free play thing going on in my bookie for Cyber Monday. If you have an account already, just do it. Just go take advantage of the special that's happening. If you don't, when you sign up, please make sure to use promo code HOOPBALL. They haven't changed that yet for us. HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. On the third page of sign up, that'll let them know who sent you. There's also some uh, various deposit match bonuses that it unlocks when you punch that in, but I don't even think you need it because these deals are going to get you more cash than the, the deposit matches, and these deals don't generally have rollover requirements. The deal that's happening tonight, their Cyber Monday offer, is that if you bet on tonight's Monday night football game, anything up to $100, they'll give you $100 or they'll match it for you to bet on next Monday's Monday night football game. So basically, what they've said is, hey, whether you win or lose your bet, we're going to pay for you to make the same bet next week. It's kind of like a two-to-make-one free throw type of thing, if that makes sense. So basically, um, 
whatever you bet on tonight's game, they're going to give you in your account in what they call free play. But as soon as you bet that free play, it either, if it hits, you get it back with the winnings and it becomes regular cash. And if it misses, well, I mean, that sucks. So basically, here's what, here's what you're looking at. Let's say you put, I mean, it's up to $100. So let's just use $100 as an example. If you put $100 on tonight's Monday Night Football game, and I know nothing about the NFL, so I'll be hitting up my buddies for the play on this one anyway. If it hits, you're up 100 bucks, and you're up 100 free play dollars on top of that. So you're kind of up $200, except that you have to bet that other 100 on next week's Monday Night Football game. So you're, you're up $200, but with an asterisk. And then if you bet that 100, the free play 100, on next Monday Night Football's game and you win it, then you actually end up, I believe, $300. Because you win the 100, you keep the free play 100 they put in your account, and you won the 100 that you bet on that game. I think I'm getting that right. I think the only way you can lose in this is if you go 0-2. If you go 1-1... and you win. Either way, if you miss this one and then hit the other one, you end up up. If you hit this one and then miss the second one, you end up up. Because remember, they paid for your second wager. The only way you end up down is if you miss both of your bets. So this really tips the odds in your favor. Three out of the four possible outcomes are winning outcomes for us. Don't you wish all of your bets had a 75% chance of hitting? And technically, I think it's I think technically the odds are better than that because if you hit both, you actually get sort of like a double bonus thing going on. In any event, that's the Cyber Monday deal over at mybookie.ag. Make sure to use promo code HOOPBALL when you sign up. That way they know who sent you. Also, Cyber Monday stuff going on with our buddies at manscaped.com. Last chance to get the special 25% offer. That's built into the system. If you use promo code HOOPBALL20, they also haven't changed the code for us yet you get uh, free shipping on that order as well. So please do make sure to use our promo codes. That's how they know who sent you. We are going to have more cool stuff coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Sounds like we may have a new deal going with ExpressVPN. So if you're thinking about getting one of those, hold off. We'll get you guys a code here in the next couple of weeks. And I believe we'll have a partnership coming up with the good people over at Thrive Fantasy. So really good stuff happening here at HoopBall. Uh, Sports Ethos, formerly HoopBall. I'm going to screw this up a few times yet. I have hoop ball swag over my home. Everywhere I look, there's like t-shirts with it. And how am I supposed to get it out of my head? I need to replace it all with sports ethos stuff. Anyway, let's talk about the Saturday car because we got to keep chugging here. Um, mostly because like games start not that long from now. Minnesota beat Philadelphia in a crazy one. Extra bonus basketball in this ball game. Double OT. D-Lo had a big ball game. Uh, it's worth mentioning, though, that the giant game from D'Angelo Russell moved him right to the edge of the top 70. And I know you you budget this type of stuff in. It's just that he does have some limitations, fantasy-wise. He overcame them in this game with good shooting. Um, that tends to be the thing that really weighs him down. Turnovers are going to be relatively high. With no Pat Beverly, he's going to be doing a lot of orchestrating. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt, Jaden McDaniels are both questionable for Minnesota's next ball game with flu-like symptoms, but Vanderbilt's been so damn good lately as a rebounder that, I, you know, he's a guy I think you hold on to anyway. On the Philly side, Joel Embiid came back over the weekend, looked really, really good at 42 in this ball game. 
I'm actually more interested because, you know, we, we know this turns on to Drummond from a, a bad basketball player getting a ton of minutes to uh, a bad basketball player not getting a ton of minutes. The other stuff is more interesting to me on Philly. Um, Tyrese Maxey had 15-9 and in double OT. Seth Curry had 14 in kind of a quieter game. Embiid ended up taking most of the usage. Uh, but Matisse Thibel still got the start, despite the fact that Danny Green is healthy again. And Tobias Harris is back. I wonder if that switches at some point. Does Danny Green end up taking the starting gig away from Matisse Thibel because he's a better floor spacer? Or do they stick with Thibel and just roll heavy on the defense? And does that then turn into a bit of a timeshare? I don't fully know. But I am curious because Danny Green has looked actually quite good this year. When he's been healthy. And he looked good in this one too. 11-3-3 three, and, three and four steals with three three-pointers in only 22 minutes. That's a notably high usage rate for Danny Green. I don't, you know, that's not something I think you can expect on a nightly basis. But as good as he's played this year when he's been in there, we have to at least keep one eye on him. At the very least. I don't think you add him after this one, but you got to watch. Here's one with an interesting subplot. New York beat Atlanta 99-90. Got a little... Trey Young level revenge, but the the big note is that Alec Burks started at point guard in this game because Kemba Walker and Derrick Rose were out for rest and injury respectively. And the news this morning is that he's going to keep that starting job. Hey, remember last uh, week when on this show we mentioned that Alec Burks was the safest of the Knicks. Uh, that four-player Knicks rotation of Burks, Rose, Fournier, and Kemba. I don't think any of us thought it was going to get this nice. You know? Like, this was this is notable. Getting bumped into the starting lineup as a spot start and then keeping the job. He actually has top 75 potential as a starting point guard. Yes, Derrick Rose will come back, and he'll take some of those minutes, but he's going to take a lot of minutes away from Emmanuel quickly. Um, R.J. Barrett has the uh, flu-like symptoms, so that could actually contribute as well. Kemba Walker being bumped out of the rotation entirely was the other half of that news, and it, too, is notable. Um, because when you just take someone out of the rotation, it helps everybody. It allows for Derrick Rose to play his minutes more exclusively at point guard. You know, Burks was technically the starting point guard on this team, but you could make the argument that Fournier, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, all those guys are handling the basketball. So it's not like that one position is of critical importance. Burks can play point, shooting guard, or small forward. So take Kemba and his 23, 24 minutes a game out of the mix. It's going to actually help Evan Fournier a little bit as well. Because now he's no longer competing directly with Burks for this the same shooting guard bucket. Burks can lob himself into the point guard bucket a little bit more. He can lob himself into the small forward bucket. Evan Fournier can move over to the small forward bucket if Burks is in there at shooting guard. If R.J. Barrett is the point guard. If Emmanuel Quickly is the point guard. Now, yes, Derrick Rose coming back, that'll complicate things a little bit further. Um, but to me... Obviously, Alec Burks is the guy you go out and you're racing to pick up on the news that he was not only getting the spot start, but now going to keep that gig. But I also think you could make an argument to at least kind of kick the tires on Evan Fournier a little bit. 
He's been hot lately, but that to me has been more of your sort of standard ebb and flow of a basketball season. The thing I like more about this development is that he just doesn't have as much competition. It's sort of as simple as that. His competition decreased. So if he's out there, I think you could probably take a shot at it as your your second choice here. But Alec Burks is the guy that absolutely positively must be rostered everywhere and started everywhere. He had a huge ball game, and that's despite missing two free throws, which he doesn't often do. Like, he could have even been better in this one. Dude added the three-point shot over the last couple of years. That's completely changed his fantasy outlook. Over on the Atlanta side, a rare loss. Bogdan Bogdanovich turned his ankle bad. Uh, Cam Reddish hurt his wrist, which means Kevin Herter, who had a terrible ball game, has a wide-open avenue to fantasy value. He's going to play 30 big 30 minutes per game. He was at 38 in this one. He'll do more than that most ball games. He has to. Uh, Hawks just couldn't really get the offense clicking on a team-wide level. They only scored 90 points. So Herter's a must-add guy. He was, and I, you know, I said it before, I don't change my position on him. He was one more injury away from being fantasy useful, and now he got two. This also might mean Danilo Gallinari could be useful. He took 11 shots in 21 minutes of this game, uh, but he's less interesting than Herter, uh, without question. Meanwhile, Clint Capella's gone nuts, 16-21, and 21, a steal and three blocks. He's been a first-rounder over the last week and a half. Yeah, you heard that right. Clint Capella, last two weeks, in fact, he's number five. And if you account for the guys that haven't really played over that stretch, Ananobi had one game in there and Bede's one game back. Over the last two weeks, Clint Capella, you can make the argument, is the third-ranked fantasy player on averages of 16, 15, one and a half steals, two blocks, 69% from the field. Woof. So yeah, he's, uh, he's very much back in the mix. And thanks to this strong stretch for Clint, he's up to number 36 overall in his 21 games this year now. Phoenix beat Brooklyn 113-107. Game actually wasn't this close most of the way through. Mikel Bridges, seven steals, mostly off of James Harden, who did have a triple-double, but kind of got there in what you might call an ugly way. But who cares? Because Harden is number seven now in uh, nine-cat, believe it or not. He's uh, averaging five effing turnovers a ball game. So in 8-cat, he's actually number 3 behind Steph and Jokic, who hasn't been playing very much. So, I mean, I think by totals, Harden actually passes Jokic. And it's weird to think that this is a guy everybody was freaking out about after the first week and a half, two weeks. He's just been quietly like a top 5 guy for... I mean, I think he's been inside the top 8 every week over the last 3 weeks now. And if you just keep doing that, eventually you're going to pass people because... Others guys, they might be in the top three for a week, and then they might be number 25 for a week, and, and you average out better than them. So yeah, Harden's fine. Um, scoring generally has been up a little bit after a slow start. His free throws are up to almost seven a game, so that's fixed itself. Big assist numbers, nice rebounding numbers. A lot of the normal stuff is there. Uh, not not that interesting of a, of a thing to talk about. KD, by the way, number three per game in fantasy this year. And that's without much on the defensive side. So there's actually, believe it or not, room to get better. Chris Paul was solid. Devin Booker's been on a hot run of late. Phoenix as a team has been on a hot run. JaVale McGee, double-doubled. He's been something kind of fun in his 16 minutes off the bench. He's very much a streamer type, but I don't know. Brings me joy to see it. And then, meanwhile, 
Meanwhile, over on the net side, more injury news. Joe Harris will undergo surgery on his ankle and expected to miss one to two months. So, 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 as Dr. Seuss said, here is another good game that I know. Patty Mills must remain on your team as a three-point streamer. He's been outstanding in that regard. Played 37 minutes of this ballgame. Not a great one for him, but a block and three threes. You sort of hang on with that. And then DeAndre Bembry, who, look, I'll admit, I, I've said on this podcast before, and I'll, I'll keep saying it, his free throw shooting is a disaster. Consistently disastrous. He missed both. He took two free throws, missed them both. But Bruce Brown came back in this game and didn't really play, which that actually screams something at me. That says maybe the Nets have decided they prefer DeAndre Bembry to Bruce Brown. Maybe Bembry's size is the difference, even though when you think about their starting lineup now, the spacing isn't that terrific. Harden can obviously shoot, Mills can shoot, and Durant can shoot. Uh, but Aldridge isn't stepping out to three all that often. He's more comfortable in the mid-range. I know he can take one, can take one. You don't need to. And then Bembry, not a shooter at all. Slashers, so it's not like they're all going to hang out right in front of the rim. But it's kind of a weird blend that Bruce Brown doesn't really solve, by the way. He's not the solution to that problem. Um... So I'm softening on DeAndre Bembry a little bit because I figured he was placeholding for Bruce Brown. But the next game, I think, will tell us quite a lot about this. They play again tomorrow. And, um... Oh, wait, am I getting that wrong? Do they play tonight? Anybody remember? (laughs) We'll figure this out, guys. Don't worry. We'll figure this out. Do Brooklyn play tonight? No, they're tomorrow. I had that right. Good for me. So they play tomorrow. We'll find out more then if they were just kind of easing Bruce Brown back in or if he really is going to be a low-minute bench guy now. I might pick him up, speculatively add DeAndre Bembry. Miami beat Chicago 107-104. Jimmy Butler bruised his tailbone while putting together a uh, decent fantasy line. Not a monster game by any stretch. They just got Miami got a nice balanced attack in this one. Butler, Lowry, Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, all these guys had good games. Um, Bam Adebayo, only nine points and seven rebounds, but he did have six assists. So he's kind of circling the target right now. Not quite there, but looking better. And we didn't hear much about the knee, so I'll take it, I guess. Houston beat Charlotte in overtime, 146-143. My goodness, Houston moving Christian Wood into the center spot has completely changed the way they're playing basketball. Jayshon Tate looks better. Uh, Wood obviously looks way better. Kevin Porter looks better. Although he'll have a, he'll somehow manage to ruin a fantasy line that looks amazing, 23-8-12, but then somehow manages to crap on it with four turnovers and six out of ten free throws and, you know, sub-500 field goal shooting and one defensive stat. This is an amazing sell opportunity on KPJ because it's not usually going to be this robust all the way across the board. Charlotte plays very little defense. So this was your moment. As far as Tate goes, I'm still... I think I'm I'm a little bit more comfortable calling him streamer level until I see this a few times straight. I like Garrison Matthews as a fill-in right now while Jalen Green is hurt, but it sounds like he's not going to be out that much longer. We shall see. And then Eric Gordon is out there just chucking shots. Uh, 
which is, is like the joke of all jokes. You could stream him. He's, again, more points league friendly than anything else, but no, he's not a long-term fix, and they're trying to move him anyway. But at least now you've got Christian Wood, who's more comfortable. Center position. This is, this is a little bit more freedom. The rebounding is better. The field goal opportunities are better. A lot to like about that change that they made in Houston. That, unless you're squatting on Alper and Shangun, who now is sharing center minutes with Wood instead of Daniel Tice, and so his opportunities actually trended the wrong way. Meanwhile, the number one player in fantasy over the last week, Terry Rozier, did it again. He's been incredible lately. This is probably a sell time if uh, if you can you know scrounge up like a top fifty kind of guy for Terry. P.J. Washington, he's a great start, while Miles Plumley is out. Mason Plumley, excuse me. Looking at Miles Bridges and talking about Mason Plumley, and that's how I ended up with Miles Plumley. Uh, Kelly Oubre's been hot lately, too. Played 36 minutes in this game. They've been going small. I don't have the stones to stream Kelly Oubre, but maybe he's starting to turn a corner. I, I think you could probably let it go a little bit longer before you make the ad there. I don't, you know, th- this is one of those guys where we kind of need to see him prove it a few times before we take the plunge. And then Lamella Ball, he's just not slowing down for anybody. Orlando sucks without Cole Anthony. I mean, they're just bad. They're real bad without Cole. They're also without Mo Bamba. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. had ejected at the end of this ballgame. Terrence Ross left at halftime with lower back tightness, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, I, with all the guys that are out, the fact that we still can't get good fantasy lines from almost anyone on this team, I mean, that speaks volumes. You start Bamba when he's back. You start Anthony when he's back. You start Wendell Carter Jr. And if you're in a points format, you can start Jalen Suggs and just hope and pray. But the rest of this stuff is a gross, gross mess. Franz Wagner is very much a streamer. He's he's not, you know, rookie caught up with him kind of thing. And then on the Cleveland side, Evan Mobley back sooner than folks expected and came back with a flourish, four blocks in his return. Gotta love that. Larry Markinen, Jared Allen, Darius Garland, they got four guys that are easy starts. Ricky Rubio is startable, I think. 27 minutes ought to be enough for him most ball games. Just uh, didn't get many shots here. In general, he'll be okay. And the Cavs are, you know, like borderline fun. They're 10 and 10. They're 500 team right now. Good to get their bodies back, I think. Boy, Jared Allen, what a field goal percent year he's putting together. Uh, eight for nine again in this ball game. That's like nightly. He's shooting 70% on nine shots a ball game this year. I think, I believe... Is he the number one field goal percent guy in the... Oh, Jokic. He's behind Jokic for field goal percent impact and ahead of Rashawn Holmes. That's pretty good, though. Rashawn Holmes, by the way, 69% on eight and a half shots per game. It's close, but Jaron's got him by a nose. Washington beat Dallas. Nice little come-from-behind win for the Wiz, who just refused to miss in the second half of this ballgame. This is why you told you guys to hang on to Daniel Gafford. He's been really good since his minutes have gotten back up to starter level, and Montrezl Harrell's fallen off. Bradley Beal finally had a better ball game. Thank the good Lord. Maybe this will actually get something going for him. He has been atrocious at shooting so far this year. Atrocious. He's in the 50s in rank right now. 44%. This game elevated him a little bit. But uh, we're, we're, we need more, Bradley. We need more threes. We need a better field goal percent. We just need more. More three-pointers. 
it's kind of amazing that Dallas got as far as they get did in this ball game. Um, Luca was pretty good, but not great. Jalen Brunson is expected back tonight, so that'll be uh, helpful for them. Um, Christoph Porzingis wasn't as good, but had defensive stats, so that ended up kind of covering for it. And then Maxi Kleba now has had a couple good ball games in a row. Dwight Powell hasn't played much in those. Willie Colley Stein is sick, and frankly shouldn't be playing all that much anyway. So, you know, we're looking at another guy here. Some interesting stuff over those those last two days. We're looking at another guy in Kleba that is unproven over anything other than a very short burst. But he's actually inside the top 100 overall on the year. And his last two games have been 36 minutes and 30 minutes. And I got to tell you, if he does it again, like I don't even care that Jalen Brunson's been out because they shouldn't impact each other very much. Kleba is probably someone you throw on your fantasy team because he's well-rounded. He's a he's a roto kind of guy. He'll rebound a little bit. He'll block some shots, hit you some threes, do it on good percentages, 48 from the field, 88 at the free throw line. He's a roto guy. Not very interesting in a head-to-head mold, but very much interesting in roto. So see if you can carve out a spot on your team for him. I, I don't I don't think it's the worst idea in the world. He's he's right on the edge. And again, I'll tell you, one more game. And he's kind of there for me. And finally, the Jazz got their revenge. They actually lost to New Orleans the previous ball game, um, uh, beat the Dickens out of them in this one. You can pretty much throw this game out. Um, we'll reassess the Pelicans after the next one, and then the Jazz are, you know, they're the same general thing every ball game. They're... Mike Conley played in a back-to-back though. That was one little footnote on that ball game that. Kind of want to stick in the back of your head. All right, that'll be that. That's your Monday Reverse Chronological Lightning Round. Only a two-day Rickalurm this week. We'll go back to normal this coming week now. No no holidays this one. Hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I'm Dan Baspers for Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. Again, hey, if you like this show, drop a five-star review on it. Would be uh, most grateful of that. Again, check out the Cyber Monday deal over at mybookie.ag. You can hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris if you have any questions about it. We'll do a little more deep diving type stuff on tomorrow's show. Uh, we'll talk to Adam King, I think, later this week as well. Hopefully we can get Brew on later this week, kind of settle back into some normalcy here as we rumble along. Pickups plenty over the weekend. Uh, and we'll see if any more pop up today. So long, everybody. Have a great Monday. <laughs>